All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuck nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. I imagine most of you have been here before, uh, but if you're new, welcome. I don't know if you listened, but I reposted my Wayne Kramer episode. The amazing Wayne Kramer passed away a couple days ago. One of the great guitar players, a very important guitar player and a very important band who had thoroughly lived all nine of his lives. What an amazing, an amazing guy that guy was. He spent time in prison, did a lot of charity work for the prisons. And if you really think about it, the MC5, that was really the beginning of it. That was the beginning of what became American kind of punk rock music. With no MC5, there's no Iggy Pop. And on through New York in the 70s and everything else. I just uh, really love that guy. And I saw the MC5 on their, on their last tour. I can't remember the guy who was singing, but it was really something. It's a really amazing thing. You know, I'm not a great guitar player. And it's an interesting thing what determines whether someone is great at anything. And a lot of times it's not about virtuosity. It's a, it's a weird thing I, I notice as I get older that it's more about communicating your particular emotions, feelings, uh, intent, uh, voice, anything, whatever instrument you play. Because if you really listen to some of the greatest musicians or comedians or, or look at some of the greatest artists or, or any, any of it, that it's really about finding your voice, your sound, Whatever it is that you lock into to communicate your truth is what makes somebody great, is what makes somebody uh, a brilliant artist or a genius artist. Sometimes it's only three chords. Sometimes it's only a few nights. Sometimes it's only one style of painting. Sometimes it's only one book. Sometimes it's only a couple of movies. You start to realize back in the day before the word content was even thought of as a delivery device of quote-unquote self-expression, that there are people who, who maybe did one amazing novel, but it is so amazing, so transcendent or singular that that was really enough. I mean, I can't speak to the lives that some artists live uh, if they've only done one thing and they, they never quite were able to do another thing again. But what they left was amazing. And whether or not people know that or not, or whether or not as generations pass, they understand or contextualize or even listen or read or look at or, or feel what that artist put out there, it might get lost entirely. But that doesn't, that doesn't diminish its importance just because time moves on. Because something truly horrendous is happening in, in a lot of ways in terms of art and expression that it really is about numbers it's about clicks it's about the draw the it seems that the idea of creativity in terms of what success means or what winning means is is how much money comes in how many clicks you get it's really about the size it's really about capitalism it's really about everything that in some ways true art uh, was working outside of and i don't know what happens to all the m marginal geniuses out in the world anymore i don't know what happens sometimes they get appreciated later or sometimes they just become a piece of a bigger puzzle that some people appreciate and some people don't know until someone says hey go listen to that 
Go listen to MC5 kick out the jams. Go put it into context. And then again, most people may never even get that context. It's a very strange thing as uh, you know, AI and technology and the facility and uh, ability for individuals to operate in different delivery systems and work their asses off to constantly sort of infuse themselves into the cultural dialogue or try to, uh, what gets lost is some essence of, of truth and some essence of real expression that is sometimes so simple uh, and sometimes so singular and sometimes very fleeting. It's not about how many you can get up there, how many you can shoot, how many you can do. Whatever it is, it was not about that. It was about your persistence and your need to express yourself in a pure way uh, that connects with at least a few people. It's not about the numbers, man. Anyway, welcome to the show, R.I.P. Wayne Kramer. Today on the show, I talked to uh, Lori Kilmartin, who has been on the show before. Uh, she was on an episode, a full episode, 10 years ago, episode 472 from February 2014. She's been doing stand-up since 1987. She was a writer for Conan for years. She's written best-selling books, and she has a new special, Cis Woke Grief Slut. Very funny. Always very funny, great joke writer, intense person, and oddly, I knew her up here, where I am now, in San Francisco. I first met Lori, she started up here, and uh, we sort of came up together in that period of my life. I am in San Francisco. That's why it sounds the way it does. Um, and I have very mixed feelings about this place, not in an intellectual way, I literally feel mixed feelings when I'm up here. I don't know. I've been reflecting a lot on these different periods of my life because I start to realize as time goes on, even though I'm talking to a lot of people that have fairly kind of um, not, I, I don't, I don't want to sound condescending, but some people have structure in their lives that they really hold on to and they've chosen a certain path for themselves that, that enables them to have a certain amount of security and, and sense of family and uh, you know job regularity and all those things that sort of justify a, a, a relatively comfortable existence, if that's what they're, they're going for. They want to be happy enough. They want to do enough of what they like to do. And they want to feel a certain amount of connection and emotional love and support from whatever family they're building. I mean, there's just a way of life. And it's not necessarily status quo. It's just uh, it's completely understandable. But it's also not a life I ever lived in my life. But as I get older and as I do more stage work, I start to really think about what is my life? You, know, you spend your time as a comic talking to a general audience. And if you really start to think about the people that you're talking to, yeah, we have emotional connection. We have similarities. If you're a creative person, an angry person, a, you know, a, a hypersensitive person, a selfish person, whatever it is that connects people to me and my audience, I connect with people. But I do find that when I really think about it, my life is bizarre. And it always has been. There's been several cities that I've lived in, several you know, periods of drug use and not drug use, several periods of relationships with people, several hundred road gigs. It's a strange thing, the reality of the life of a comic or of an artist where you really are outside of the norm. And then you have to seek the, the broader spectrum of people to be your audience and to relate 
And I don't think I've ever aspired to saying like, well, here's a life that everyone can relate to. I've had to figure out how to do my comedy in a way, well, this is what I think. Because I know most of you are not going to necessarily relate to my life, maybe in terms of relationship, food, issues, drugs, trauma. But it's not, I, I can't, you know, I don't have the kids. I don't have the wife. I don't have the, the job. I don't have a, a, a sort of consistency of emotion. But I, I'm starting to realize I, I fucking, I lived a life. I'll tell you that. And it, it keeps going. Portland, Maine. I'm at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Medford, Massachusetts. At the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island. At the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, New York. At the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Atlanta, Georgia. I'm at the Buckhead Theater on Friday, March 22nd. Madison, Wisconsin. At the Barrymore Theater on Wednesday, April 3rd. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At the Turner Hall Ballroom on Thursday, April 4th. Chicago at the Vic Theater on Friday, April 5th. Minneapolis at the Pantages Theater on Saturday, April 6th. Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater on Thursday, April 18th as part of the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. You can go to WTFpod.com slash tour for tickets. San Francisco, the drive up here was amazing. I don't know about you, but I when I drive, I don't, uh, it's weird. I don't listen to anything. Is that weird? I mean, I'll listen to a little music, but sometimes I'll just, I'll just drive and think. And when I tell people that, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't even think to listen to music. I just drive and think. It's a meditative quality where, you know, you, there's driving is innate if you've been doing it all your life. So your body is sort of taken care of and you, your brain can just go. It's almost meditative. Uh, but I just, uh, I do a lot of thinking. It, I'm not saying it's good thinking. I'm not saying they're happy thoughts, but I, it runs the gamut. Whoo, so I get to San Francisco and... It feels not unlike many of the places I've been in my life where things happened in my development. They, that It feels a bit traumatic. There is this sort of coming back to places that you were before that had some baggage to them. And part of you goes back to that. I had to do a show at the Castro last night, the Castro Theater. I've been here several times, obviously, since. But I never felt that they were as good of shows as I could do. And I, I kind of blame the venues. It was kind of true. I did a show at Symphony Hall many years ago, which was huge. I did a show at the Masonic, which was also huge. But the Castro Theater is this historic, amazing place. Seats about 1,400. We sold it out. And the entire day, I was like feeling like I felt when I lived here. Like, I don't know who I am. What am I doing? You know, am I, you know, is San Francisco, can I, these people are, are so far along in their self-discovery. I'm not going to be able to connect. I like literally deconstructed my entire sense of craft, self uh, and I got into this, you know, w strange, you know, hyper, you know, insecurity. And right up to when I went on stage, I was with Taylor Williamson and I was like, fuck. And he's like, oh my God, you still go through this? You can't, why are you doing this? You're weird. You know, like, he's like, and I'm like, no, sometimes this is the process, man. And I got out there and it was just, it took a minute to, to get into it. But like, once I was in the groove of, of what I do, it was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm back here doing comedy in a place that had a profound impact on how I do comedy. And, you know, I, I kind of got in the pocket and it was fucking great. It was fucking great. The Castro Theater is a beautiful venue. It's changing hands. It was the last show that they were going to do before the renovation. 
And it was one of those situations where the guy's really excited about the renovation. He showed, it was always a movie theater. It was a silent theater that became a sound theater. And it, there, he showed me be, the screen behind the screen for the original silent theater that they, they eventually took out. And then they punched holes into the walls you know, behind the original screen to put the giant speakers in for the sound movie, th- for the talkies. And they found the old curtain that went over the original proscenium. So they're going to do this amazing renovation. I know it's a, a delicate point for people in the city because of the history of, uh, of, of the area and of the city. But um, it might be nice. I found it to be a, a, a beautifully haunted old venue like many of them are. And it felt like the Castro was still, you know, just pumping and vital and, and still, you know, very gay and very lively and, and really um, what it's supposed to be. I, it wasn't daytime, but it was nice to be back there. I hadn't been in that theater since I saw movies there when I lived here in the 90s. So all in all, pretty good. Pretty good trip. And my foot, I was hobbling around with my boot. I'll tell you, man, this boot business with the broken foot, it's, it's playing on me. You know, I, I, I've got a, I'm feeling a little sedentary. Last week I did, I did exercise, but I, here's the one thing I didn't really realize and I should have is that, wow, after a week with a sock on in a boot without taking it off, there's a bit of a stank. Like I, it's, it started to smell like my foot was gangrenous. So I had to just bite the bullet almost literally, and carefully take the boot off, carefully unroll my sock, carefully put a new sock on. Just, I guess it's vanity, but you don't want to be places where you're just emitting this horrendous stench from your bad foot. But I think I, I, think I pulled it off. I, think I, I, think I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I fucked with anything. All right, look. So Lori Kilmartin, I love her. I've worked with her on and off for years. She was always Eric Conan. She's opened for me before. She's a great comic. Her new special is called Cis Woke Grief Slut, which you can buy or rent now on digital platforms like Apple, Amazon, and YouTube. Go to LoriKilmartin.com for links. And this is me talking to my old friend, Lori. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Well, for me, honestly... It's my stereo system. For years, I've wanted this stereo system. And then at some point, I realized, like, hey, you're saving money. Buy it. So I got a pretty top-of-the-line tube-driven stereo system. It has changed my life. It's not only great for listening to music. It's great for me to sit there with my guitar while I jam or just rock out. Because when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. Just like the all-new Lexus GX. It has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. And available multi-terrain select system for off-road drive Any of these options will help you take your Lexus GX to the limit, just like I did with my stereo system. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Most of the stuff that was in that garage is upstairs in my sort of office room mm-hmm. in the house. Mm-hmm. All the books and all that shit. Yeah. I just, when I got this place, I'm like, I, do I want to do that? Do I want to put all that back out here? 
It didn't. It seemed organic in the other place. Right. So now I just have random shit <laughs> from the old house. It, so it's without context, but the desk looks similar. Yes, it does. Yeah. But what do you do with all that stuff of a lifetime? You know, like I'll throw it away. I mean, I, I guess I, so. You've, you've gone through enough death of yes of people. But it, what did you do with it's it? It's more like my parents' stuff and you well, know, I know things I, that mean something to you. But like career stuff. Like I guess I have a lot of laminates from festivals I that I keep around a teddy bear sure. from my childhood. Yeah. But yeah. There's not a ton of stuff, but you you have tons of cool memories from just this podcast. Sure. And I have all those laminates too. Like yeah. hundreds of them. Yeah. And they're hanging there up there. Yeah. And they become well, what I noticed in the old garage is it store it started to look like a, an unattended roadside museum. <laughs> Where, you know, there's just <laughs> cobwebs happening and shit. And I was like, people will come by, talk to you for an hour, then leave. <laughs> right. That's right. But but all the artifacts were just getting dusty and weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I got them all out and I cleaned them up, I mean, I still like looking at them. But I wonder when that shit loses meaning. I mean, I'm, I'm 60. Yeah. And there's part of me that's sort of like. Is it time to just throw this shit out? Right. But it will have meaning to other people that love your podcast. I guess so. It will. Well, it it will have meaning. Mm-hmm. So what are you saying? You maybe get the Smithsonian <laughs> to step in? Yes. Maybe. Sotheby's have a, a WTF auction? Come well, I've, on. I've talked about my, you know, because yeah, there are people that do this, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where the papers of somebody will get, you yeah. know, like will be taken up by a college or a library or somebody catalogs all this shit. Yeah. And I've talked about it before, but and people have stepped up. You know, I'm an archivist. I'll I'll do it. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Wow. I was up in this attic. There's an attic up in this house, in this uh, garage, looking at my old poetry and shit. I'm like, does anyone need that? <laughs> I'm not e- somebody. No one needs it, but somebody wants it. I don't know, man. It, and, and then I, because that guy Fine Arts is doing a doc on me, and and yeah. uh, and we're going through stuff. I'm like, I don't need anyone to see this, <laughs> really. <laughs> but I mean. But what I found, though, is that, you know, when Lynn passed away, it was like, I and she was, you know, my age. So there, I knew all this stuff. I could tell this stuff. She kept much of the same stuff that I kept. Yeah. You know, writings, papers, bits and pieces. And there was boxes and boxes of it. And it was during COVID. Yeah. And it was like, well, who's going to do th- What's going to happen to this? Right, right, right. And I, you know, I didn't have enough history with her to really make any decisions around that. So friends came down and, you know, a lot of it just, you know, it gets, it gets thrown away. Yeah. Right, right, right. And because no one actually really wants it. Yeah. Right. I mean, some of it, I, you know, the things that people wanted, they took. But then there's other stuff. Yeah. I mean, with my parents, neither of them like were journal writers, which right. probably harmed my childhood. But, you know, <laughs> because they n- no reflection. Right. But they didn't leave a bunch of stuff like that. Like, I know my kid is just going to have piles Piles of Mead notebooks yeah. of me complaining about various bookers of the day. Right. But does he give a shit? I hope he doesn't. <laughs> they, uh, you be, I mean, you have to. I don't know who, even though we have these legacies or, or that we think that people want them. But, I mean, have you ever looked at that kind of shit? I mean, I have a few things of Lynn's and I'm like, I'm not going to go through it. Not because yeah. I don't care. It still doesn't feel correct. <laughs> well, I mean, there are whole presidential libraries that exist that people never go to, and these people were the presidents. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Who the fuck is going to those, and for what reason? I think when people do research, yeah, that that then it becomes something. But I would imagine most people could just do research online. But there are some people that do the real shit. Yeah, and they go to the 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 sort of look at the 
collection or the estate or the stuff of a president or anybody the reason like do you have mark maron's poetry <laughs> from from high school some of the original stuff have you uh you worked dr grins in grand rapids right I don't think I did. Oh, it's right next to the, it's right near the Jerry Ford Museum or the library. And I went (laughs) and it's pretty awesome. He and Betty Ford in their youth were among the most attractive people I've ever seen. Pretty hot. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what what was, why was it awesome? Because it it actually put him into a context that you could never really uh, see him in. When when we were young, or he was alive. Yeah, he was just a Chevy Chase joke to me. Yeah, and right. I was like, oh, he was the, he was the most powerful man in the world for a, about a year and a half, for yeah. two years maybe, right? Oh, he didn't make yeah. the second term. That was no, it. No, no, no. That's when Carter took him down, right? No kidding. Yeah. So he filled in for Nixon and yeah. didn't even go. This he didn't he couldn't pull off. Nope. I didn't remember. Wow. Yeah. But, <laughs> but he's still got a library. A full library. And yeah. Betty Ford has a drug center. I imagine <laughs> in the big picture, that's done much more oh, good yeah. yes. than the Jerry Ford library. Her legacy is, yeah. I think, more secure or important than I don't. Where the hell did I play in Grand Rapids? Some churchish looking place. They have a theater. That's It's a it's a bigger venue. Is but it it's, downtown? It's, a it's fo- probably right next to Dr. Grin's. Right. It's a folk. It was, it was big with folk music back in the day. Oh. I think it was an old church. Oh, okay. It was Maybe kind of not. an odd room. Yeah. Isn't the DeVos family from Grand Rapids? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, yeah, she's all over that town. That, that and, and that's the Amway? Is that Amway? Amway, and then her brother is Eric Prince. He's like a oh, mercenary Halliburton. Mer- the, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blackwater, that. maybe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's the guy. Yeah, it's just a, a, yeah. a, a multi-pronged evil family. Sure. And they, they are proud to be involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's their business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very odd thing to realize. And I've had this realization lately. And I think in, you you probably have, too, because I see it in some of your material that, you know, no matter how we judge these people, uh, the other side or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, um, most of them believe it. So it's not like you can just educate them and be yeah. like, you guys are being dumb and evil. Yeah. They're like, no, you don't get it. We believe this. Like all the abortion material you do. Yeah. That it's not going to be absorbed uh, by no. by people who are anti-abortion because they think they're doing something godly and righteous. Sure. I mean, if I if I believed a fetus had the same value as a human life, I would I would act that way, too, I'm sure. Um, but we don't. But but they're but they're they're also safe in their little their place with their people, and they have a home. Yeah. And why would they leave it when right. everyone when all their Facebook friends are telling them you're great, you're awesome, and they might win. Yeah, and they I seem mean, to they, be winning. They've had some great wins. Yeah, and them. it's and it's disturbing. But I I for some reason I and maybe it's just growing up that uh, I realize like you know this is the way the world works. These monsters fascists or, or people that are driven by religion or nationalism, a lot of times they win. And in most countries in the world, they kind of have won. And it's not because they're, you know, they're I, it bothers me to that I used to believe that like, well, I just, there's got to be a way to to sort of bridge the gap. And there's not, there isn't. <laughs> right. There <laughs> there's isn't. no teaching them. Yeah. And because they think we're monsters. Yeah. And I understand their, I under, I'm, I'm empathetic to their position. Uh, that's the, the wonder is like, it just, it's, it's a push, pull, push, pull. And you, you would think like after world war two, you know, we're done with fascism. Right. <laughs> like, no. or you would think, I don't know. I just thought we had so many wins, like with gay rights and abortion rights. You know, right. It's like, oh, that's settled. None of it's settled. 
it could all be taken away. And there are people that want to take it away that that think it was unsettled when we thought it was settled. That's right. You know? they, they don't believe in liberal democracy. Right. They don't. They they what they have. There's a whole spectrum of, of autocratic and, and nationalistic beliefs. But that's I mean, that's why we had to defeat fascism. Yeah. And why it was a, a long war, because a lot of people were like, we want it. Yeah. And it's yes. hard to fathom that. Yeah. But they want it. It's it's like they think that what we believe is too permissive mm-hmm. and they want rules and they want control. It it feels like it, it kind of like when we, we were studying World yeah. War II, it almost felt like a, a, a switch that was flipped off. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, they got really fascist and crazy for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, now it's, you know, they're cool. West yeah. Germany, whatever, yeah. you know, they're our greatest Democracy's ally in democracy. They loved starting it. Starting to thrive, trying to thrive. But it's obviously a switch that can be flicked back on pretty easily, too. Well, so yeah, it's, 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 it's just a long an shot. undercurrent yeah. in a lot of people. I, yeah, I think democracy was a long shot. It's like, yeah. I mean, to maintain it right. because it requires tolerance. Yeah. And now that's fucking gone. Yeah. So now what? Now you just double down on whatever you think and fuck you. Yeah. There's no, there's no uh, kind of moral you know, precedence that people feel like they have to honor. That's a big, and I guess we're not really talking about stand up here, but, <laughs> but, but we are to a certain degree sure. because, you know, you're, I mean, the, I really like the, the new special. It's great. Oh, thanks. It's very funny. Good, uh, good jokes, powerful, dark, good punchers. Yeah, I, I try <laughs> you know? to throw good a few good punchers in there, Mark. <laughs> no, you always do. But I mean, I've noticed that there's not a lot of pushback from the side that of what's considered woke. You know, I make fun of anti woke comics, and, yeah. But but ultimately, we don't get the same attention. No, because there's no organized, you know, hackneyed ideological. Uh, point of view that we're all abiding by, which right. is what they do. And it wouldn't be fun to be a part of. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> but I find that, like, lately, like, I talked to um, Novak, Jacqueline Novak the I other day. I just listened to that one yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was good. It was great. And I'm talking to you, and I talked to, like, a few other comics. There are comics who don't consider that they're not presenting themselves at woke, as woke, but, you know, we just do aggressive shit. Yeah. Some people do aggressive shit. Yeah. And that, like you do. I feel like I would be called that, so I'll just do it myself. Right, yeah. I mean, we can call ourselves that, but the truth of the matter is, is that your comedy or Novak's comedy uh, are are pushing more boundaries and, and, and more taking more risks than any sort of anti-woke asshole. So this is actually the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Just good, solid, dirty, dark shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, yeah. I mean, that that's what comedy is. It, it's weird to talk about material instead of just doing material. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. when a bunch of comics start talking about trans women. And it's the same premise. Totally. And it's it's the same point of view. And good comics. And you're like, why why are you all are you all going to a, a meeting? They are. <laughs> and coming up with this idea. Maybe that's what podcasts are in a way. But like those, you know, that that but kind I of. I think it's the information bubbles. I mean, it's where yeah. they're, it's it's who's who's prioritizing that information. Right. And and those yeah, there there's a, a certain worldview situation going on among podcasters and some news outlets where that's what's being talked about every day it, from one point of view right. and it's it's but why is it even being talked about every I, day it's like it that's not you it's not anyone right. in your family it's not your business right. why are you why are you into it and why are you why are you all into it the same way that's it's hacky. the weird thing yes i, I mean agree. i i would I, I would never have even talked about trans women but i was like 
what is happening? Is no one else have any other point of view? Is there a point of view where they uh, they can exist? It's great. We're allies. Yeah. Let's let's hold hands and go for it. Yeah. Like where is yeah. that? So just, that's what yeah, I just wanted. Fucking relax. Yes, and be tolerant for yeah. God's sake. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Not Sorry, Gunnel. <laughs> but uh, but. But but I noticed that I was at the comedy store and I, I saw a comic that we both know, a woman, and like at some point in her act, she goes, well, I guess I got to do my trans stuff now. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't. You don't. Because yeah. there's someone else doing it down the hall. Yeah. And it's not that different. I want to hear from trans comics more than anyone else about what it's like to be trans. And they don't all have the same point of view, you and, know? And they don't have... a. Uh, a, a, as big a microphone. Correct. And also, but there's a lot of that going on, but it, it, we've all kind of, we all have our audiences now. There's no broader, you know, we're not all speaking to the same people right, anymore, right. which makes it sort of a dumb game mm-hmm. because it's no longer, there's no kind of collective processing. Right, right. It's just like, fuck you over here and fuck them over there. It's just, it's yeah. sort of sad. Even within like, who's, who was I talking to? Somebody recently about, oh, it was that comic historian. Jesse oh, Fox. Jesse oh, Fox. yeah, Jesse David Fox. Yeah. yeah, and he was talking about this whole world of LGBTQ comedy that Bo and Yang came out of, and that was sort of an organized, uh, or at least a, a niche kind of uh, movement in New York, and I don't know anything about it. <laughs> and he turns out that he turned, like, he got real funny, that Bo and Yang. Oh, he's great. He's yeah. great. <laughs> but at the beginning of, that, of SNL, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, and he's doing okay. But yeah. now he's like the best thing on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But there are voices out there. I just don't know where they are, and I don't. I'm not exposed to them a lot. Um. Yeah. I think they're at smaller. They're all over yeah. L. A. as well. Sure. Smaller little shows. I'm not, I'm not getting out to them, but I'm glad they're out there. But do you ever want to pop in on their shows? Like you wouldn't have to be announced as Mark Marin. You could just do a spot at Permanent Records outside. You I've know? done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, fun, I've done, right? It's okay. I mean, they're. <laughs> You get to see comics you wouldn't see and kind of, sure. you know, they're yeah, the ones yeah, setting yeah. the tone and they're and the audience. The younger comics. Yeah. Coming up or, are, are, you know, they're they're That's where comedy is going to go. So you, it's good. Is to, it? I'm hoping it doesn't go the other way. It seems like the uh, the yeah. bullies are kind of uh, shifting the cultural dialogue. It's it's kind of problematic. Maybe they're bringing, bringing their audience into comedy. I well, mean, they're, they, right. They're building an audience. Whereas, right. you know, I'm, I'm sort of um, been a little spoiled. Uh, in the sense that, like, I now can play for mostly my audience, That's, which is nice. It's wonderful. It's okay, but I like going to the comedy store where half the people are like, I don't, I don't really fucking know this guy. Yeah. That, that's the job. I'm yeah, st- yeah. I it's, still hold on to that. You got to do both. I mean, right. it, when, at your level, when you can have that have that audience that's there ready to accept everything you yeah. say, you, it is good. It's smart for you as a stand-up to keep doing spots where you have to follow of people. Course. Yeah, just keep yeah. doing the work. But sadly, there's part of me that wants to push away the people that... <laughs> Just want to hear what I've just... <laughs> you, you want to repel them? Uh-oh. Yeah, a little bit. I want to challenge the people that love me. That's, that's well, what I Well, they can't do. be right. If they love you, they can't be correct. Right, right? I don't. What, <laughs> what the fuck do they know? Exactly. Yeah, that's been the problem of my life. <laughs> but uh, but have you have you had to deal with clubs where you're doing jokes and you get vocal or, or kind of any sort of resistance? I don't, like, get super... I, I think I find if you you can do like like uh, quote like liberal material yeah. without if you don't mention Biden yeah 
that seems to be the word they hook on to. Oh, really? You know what I mean? <laughs> Otherwise, they're, they're like, well, maybe she, just she loves abortion, but she's also conservative. Right. <laughs> like, you know or what d- I mean? They, it, it's just, it's still idea-based, and they hear it as ideas. Yes. Yeah, it's a bigger thing. And, it, right. and the word Biden or a few maybe other Democratic words are red meat, and then they yeah, completely turn out. against you. But yeah. I mean, what exactly happened uh, with the abortion joke? That was just some dumb. It wasn't even a good joke. It was just some dumb That's little. That's the funniest riff. part of the special. It's not the funniest part, but I think it's very a very com- comedian thing where you're like, I wish it was a better joke. Yeah. <laughs> that they yeah. If you're gonna so- get. I got other. I have better structured jokes you could get mad over, not this dumb you're riff. Like, right. You're you're like a, a structured person, <laughs> so you just put out this kind of okay joke. Yeah, and the fact that I have to re-say it, you know, when I would rather fix it is is really annoying. But, um, yeah, I just said it on an, a, a Sunday night MSNBC show by <laughs> yeah. Amen. It was the weekend that they had leaked the draft or overturned row. Oh, yeah, right, right, And right. it was just this dumb little line. And then uh, it got it went viral on What's, right What wing. was the line? Oh, I'm come sorry. on. Don't make me. Well, All right. It was... Uh, I hope the leakers are Republican because oh, yeah. I'm going to find him, have sex with him, and joyfully abort the fetus. Sure, that's yeah. it. Okay, it's just it's not a, it's not a joke. It's, it's a riff, a tiny rifflet. Sure, yeah, okay? it's just a fuck you. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that little line. Yeah, I had better jokes that they didn't clip. Yeah, uh, from that. Yeah, they took that and then that went all over and it got up to. Clickbait. Yeah, total clickbait. Yeah. Uh, it went on to Mediate, which is this clip site mm-hmm. that you know everyone grabs and yeah. gets mad over. Uh, went all the way up to Sean Hannity's show on Fox News. Yeah, and then they replayed it, and then yeah. Sean Hannity, Lara Trump, and Pam Bondi, the yeah. former Attorney General of Florida, yeah. disgust me. Yeah, <laughs> it was so bizarre. Monsters. Yeah, absolutely. Just like a just a panel of monsters. Completely, completely disgusting. This me. is what liberals do. They joyfully. Ab- oh God, you know, I, I I get that it wasn't a great joke, so maybe you didn't get it was a joke. Sure. But do you really think that I'm going to be doing that? It seems like a lot of times they don't get their jokes. Mm-mm. They don't get that they that these are jokes. No, because they don't have the the this the switch in their head. Yeah. that registers what that point of view says yeah. as ever being funny. Right. I will say that the whoever clipped it out, and I yeah. think it was MSNBC and put it on media, they labeled it guest says instead of comedian says, right. which, of course, is going to get people to get it, be angrier. I think if they knew that I was a comic and not some, you know. But there's uh, very, the, the fact that their brains are so um, compromised yes. that they can't, see joke tone right yes they're also unwilling to like they'd rather get all worked up and take things seriously than just say like that's not funny yeah like i get plenty of people saying i'm i've never been funny i'm not funny i'm like okay yeah i can take that but to sort of register this as some sort of ideological truth yeah it's crazy it is it is and it was a crazy couple days of threats Uh, and uh People How bad were me. the threats? Uh, you know, just uh, it, it, I called it Ciswa grief sled as I yeah. got called. Like, I think a church got together and just oh, sent me the yeah, same sure. email, called me a sled. There was a guy, an old, like I replied to a bunch of people too. Yeah. <laughs> I will reply yeah. to negativity. I can't. And I um, uh, a guy. On Twitter? No, he emailed me uh, and he, a very long email website? about abortion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I said I disagree, and then he said, "You seem like you're you're." Oh no, he thought he had you on the hook. No, he goes, 
he 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 came back friendly. He goes, yeah. "You seem like you're a spe- like an expert on computers." And all I had done is reply yeah. <laughs> to his email. <laughs> and he and he, I can show you the email. This sounds like I'm making it up, but he said, "I I'm getting a lot of ads with gay pornography on my browser, and I can't figure out how to get rid of it." And obviously, he's. He's looking at gay porn. Yeah. And uh, so, but I, I said, maybe like a handyman or somebody's, you know, accessing your computer. Yeah. So you might want to check that out. <laughs> and he thanked me. And that was it. So another fan converted. Oh, uh, my God. That was, <laughs> it's so, it's so scary for certain, you know, older people. Yeah. That... But I think people can contact you and send you stuff because they don't think you're going to reply. They don't think you're a real person or they think you have a team or something. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. They always assume that someone else is reading it yeah. or that you're not going to reply. Yeah. And I generally don't. But the times I have to, to things that trigger me. Yeah. I'd say 50-50 people come back on, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't think you were real. Or right. That you were yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, like, yeah. it's... <laughs> It was, it's just this initial kind of like, blah, 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 blah. yeah. And then you're like, hey, man, take it down and not show. Oh, God. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. know you were going to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so it went away, though, pretty quickly. It did. Yeah. About, after about four or five days. It Every, might bubble up again now, but, you know. Everything just sort of does that. I know. If you're lucky. Yeah. It just kind of goes crazy for a few days and then it just yeah. it doesn't matter. Undertow, just gone. Yeah. Well, it's crazy to me. It's like it, I was just joking about abortion. I wasn't like I said I had an abortion or I was providing them. Like right. this is what I got from making just like a dumb little line. They, they just want – they just have nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's just they just make it – You know, uh, they just make hay out of everything. Well, sure. I mean MSNBC makes a show and then Fox News oh. makes a segment out, out of that and maybe MSNBC <laughs> makes a segment out of that. And it's just a cycle of segments. And how much – ingesting all this knowledge uh, uh it's i guess it's good to be educated but also how, how much can you do to 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 change things well that's and, the big and question holding right? all of that in you what's it do to you all day long you know are you asking me because <laughs> i'm trying to figure that out <laughs> what have you found I don't, for yourself well you know since i stopped working on conan i have I, i've been allowed to not pay attention to all yes, the details yes. right and i feel like if i was still working for conan still writing monologue jokes yeah i would know i would understand all the charges of that trump is uh, undergoing sure, sure. this specific trials because there's so many yeah and now i'm just kind of you know he he's a monster he's guilty yeah i hope the justice department i hope the system works yeah well yeah if we're gonna we're gonna find Fingers out. Fingers crossed. That fucking guy's got some pretty. He 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 definitely has some uh, pretty good timing sometimes. Somehow. Oh yeah, yeah. But you also included that stuff. I mean, I guess I haven't talked to you since. I think I talked to you about when your dad died, right? Yeah, yeah. About that book. Yes. Yeah. Dead people suck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 But now, like, you've changed your tune with your mom. <laughs> I was totally heartbroken when my dad died, yeah. and I was a conflict. I mean, yes, it's my mom, of course. We uh-huh. had a she lived with me. She's a Trump supporter. We had a uh, uh, it, a lot of arguing, and um, I, I guess I thought when I moved her in with me, like we would the cl- the proximity we would fix everything, you yeah. know. And it it we just fought as as hard. We went to. Two sets of therapies together. Really? First one with uh, Dr. Steve. Oh, yeah. And she walked out after 10 minutes of the first one. And then the second one, it was I went for an hour and she went for an hour and then we met or something. And uh, it didn't really help. 
Um, huh. See, this is <laughs> but this is interesting because we were talking about the idea of of realizing yeah. that there's no way to get through. Right. That there is no bridge. And this is like this was how was a lot of it ideological. I don't even know. It oh. was. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it all stems from that. But it was, you know, mother daughter stuff, uh, parent child stuff. And, and the I, I, you know, like me just wishing she would change like and and thinking maybe with it, when my dad gone and me being like the primary person yeah. around her, I could sort of break her down a little bit. And instead she got more hardened. Like you know? what were the main issues? Out of curiosity. Oh, my gosh. Uh, aside from from politics. It, it, yeah, like, it, do you have sisters or brothers? I have a sister, yeah. Yeah, and how she feel about your mom? It's very similar. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> you, just you standard know, she, parent stuff. She, yeah, it's parent stuff. Your it, parents weren't together or they were? They when, were together. Oh, they but, were. like, you know, my mom, um, one time, she, she had stuff happen to her. She never went to therapy. Highly traumatizing things. And as she a just, child? Yeah, swallowed it and just went on as right. her generation did. Right. And me, me just wishing because maybe things were overlooked in my childhood because that was right. her nature was sure. to overlook yeah. pain. Uh, thinking oh, if you if you had been in touch with that, you may have recognized it happening to me, and maybe it wouldn't have happened as badly as it did. So right? she couldn't even process her own trauma. No, unwilling. No, she was very much outside of it. And I remember we were watching dissociated. A, yes, we were watching Hoarders, a yeah. hoard, one of the hoarding shows. Yeah, and. Something about it, she goes, oh, yeah, a a guy molested me when I was four in the bushes in Tennessee. (laughs) I was like, what? That that was brought on by hoarders? Yeah, and maybe it was in Tennessee. It was something where you're like, oh. Wow. And you're just just recalling it now and not not crying, no pain, just like, huh. Like it was just an old movie that was playing that it popped up again. And- I was like, ah, oh, that's like the the way that how she remembered and how she treated it that that horrible event right. was like, oh, okay, <laughs> right? No, that I really mean, explains a lot of of how she, you know, right. kind of raised us a little bit, you know. And sure, and yeah, and also, you know, that that type of dissociation is, you know, you kind of build uh, some sort of emotional system around that yes uh, yeah i mean I, I i try to talk about this this whole world of trauma processing stuff and and being able but i think everybody compartmentalizes it of course it, it, yeah it, I, I guess the real problem is, is is if you've compartmentalized it and it's it's just a monster in a room mm-hmm. you know you know pounding to get out and and ruining everything in the whole building because you're not giving voice to it or you're not i i guess she she was so depressed but uh-huh. never, never so much. She was incapacitated. Joseph's constant, co- constant lack of joy around, you know, around us, maybe. But also, she has obviously a vulnerability to grievance-driven ideology. Yeah, and that, that's probably directly related to trauma. Definitely. I just wanted her to cheer up <laughs> and, so, oh, really? and be lighter. Yeah. In her final years, which was ridiculous because she missed my dad like crazy, and she now she's left her home and she's left everything, and she's living in a little room with me, her hostile daughter, yeah. and her, her, you know, her only ally, her grandson. You know, <laughs> her only ally. <laughs> yeah. You liked her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you <laughs> well, know, I mean, good. she could be a little, uh, you know, nag a bit, which yeah, would yeah. annoy him. But I think he, I sometimes I'm like, oh, he picked up some antipathy from me, you yeah, know, even though I tried sure. to hide it. You know. So when you went to therapy, whether you you were trying to get at that trauma and stuff. 
I didn't think of it that way. I just wanted us to get along better. And uh-huh. But I realized after she died, and you always realize stuff after they're gone, and then you want to talk to them again. It's like, hey, I figured us out. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's go back. Yeah. Um. I that that there was there was just like such a heaviness around her. Yeah. And and I, you, as a child, you just want them to giggle. Sure. Oh, <laughs> you really? know, have yeah. a lightness yeah. and her hers had been, you know, it was going before my dad died, and then after he died, you know, just it went, it just went away. Yeah. And it was you don't think it was uh, like chemical depression or could be, yeah, could be, but definitely depression. Yeah. So yeah. now, like, because when I remember during COVID, when she started dying of COVID, yeah, that it was like there were like up to the hour updates. It seemed. Yeah, it was such a weird time, and it, it was. I think at that time it was the only time somebody. Not to like, you know, t- it was, I, I might have been one of the first to live tweet it, the whole thing going down Someone as dying opposed of COVID. to after they had died and what right. it was like. Yeah, no, it was important. It was really wild. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, once she was taken to the hospital, she was in a, a nursing a rehab center. That's yeah. where she got COVID. They should go to the hospital. They set up an iPad. And we kept, you know, I kept mine on. My sister came down and we yeah. we had her like on, like mom TV, you know. Yeah. You know, six six days straight maybe, you know, except for when we were bumped off. But then we call back and get back on. Uh-huh. And we just kept talking to her. I, we, you know, t- it's an iPad, take it around the house, tell her what we're doing. Uh, my Aunt Patty, her sister, called and talked to her for like two hours straight with no response. <laughs> Which is like a, my classic. Right. It's at that's an Aunt Patty move. Yeah, yeah. She could talk for sure. two hours straight. And um, and this we, was like how. And that was like from her getting COVID to her dying of it. How long? It was a week. There? It was a week. Really? Well, she was old, you know, and know, she yeah. got it. She got the al- alpha version, I guess, yeah. uh, unmitigated version, no vaccine in June of 2020. So it took her out pretty quick. Um, but she was unconscious the whole time. My sister and I did get to visit her after we lobbied the hospital. We were dressed head to toe in like beekeeper's outfits. Yeah. Uh, plastic gloves, couldn't touch her. And she kind of raised her body up and looked up and then went back down. So yeah. that was the only time she moved the entire time on her own yeah. when we were watching her on the iPad. So we knew she knew we were there. Yeah. I don't know if she knew she had COVID. I don't know what she knew. She was on morphine. Yeah. And, you know. Who knows? I hope she was just seeing visions of my dad and yeah. her mom yeah. welcoming her to wherever. So at that time, where were we all at culturally with COVID? So the the, the fight was about masks. I think so. I mean, Gavin Newsom, he lightened the uh, mask requirement right. over Memorial Day weekend. And right. I think that's when my mom caught it. Mm. You know, in rehab centers, it's all part-time workers. They're all bopping around from place to place. It's, it's. I, I would rather rehab centers for what die on a beach than go to a rehab center. You as mean an, what for like aging? Like skilled nursing facility. So oh. it's like if you if you have a broken hip or something. Why was your mom in one of those? She, um, she had. T- I taken her to the hospital the previous week because yeah. she was struggling uh, to breathe, oh, yeah. and so they just kept her there. They got her back to normal, but. When you're old, if you're in bed for a week, you need lessons to learn how to walk again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, what I should have done is brought her home and had a nurse come in. Yeah. But I was like, you know, at, at that time, they're like, well, it's safe. You know, the governor uh, has, you know, uh, modified some of the the uh, things we have to do to avoid COVID, yeah. masking and stuff like that. So maybe things are a little bit better right now. And it was, you know, of course, they got worse immediately. And. 
did you see that being politicized? What you were doing at that time? I don't. Rem- I don't think so. Not really. I think we were all just freaked out. Yeah, the whole world was freaked out. Yeah, except yeah. for the people who thought it was a scam and masks were bullshit. Yeah, that happened. That pretty happened quickly. pretty quick, like in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you? Were you just shocked at the comics that were still doing shows in clubs during that time? I couldn't believe it. They all got COVID. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I, and none of them. I no comics I know died of it though. Oh, we there, remember there was a comedy festival where uh, several comedians got it at the festival and died? Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it was like out of Indiana. Yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I can't remember. But we also don't know what kind of brain fog people have. I mean, people have, COVID has a long tail. And you right? never got it? Not yet. Mm. I mean, I do a lot to avoid it. Yeah. But, and I could have gotten an asymptomatic case, but uh, my worry is long COVID. Yeah. Know? I had a, I don't know, it's been a couple of years, I guess. Uh, maybe February 2022. Oh, so you had, a, at least you had a vaxxed version of yeah, it, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just tired and a little stuffy. It was a yeah. little weird. Yeah. Yeah, and your and your heart gets a little jacked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have an aneurysm, so I don't want anything that sure. causes no, blood clots. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, nobody wants to be sick. <laughs> I know, but I feel like I have to give a, an actual medical excuse. Sure. People go, oh, I get it. Okay. I, well, I, there's just some nights, like, and it, I just knew, like, at some point at the comedy store that I was going to get COVID. <laughs> I was just in Paris, Texas, and I'm like, if I survive this weekend, I'm bulletproof. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and I did everything I could, but it was just so much coughing just in the now? audience. Oh, yeah. really? You yeah, heard yeah. the coughing? Yeah. I mean, I have. I bring an air purifier on stage. When I'm headlining, yeah. you know, and I put it right this under is me. Paris, Texas? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck is in Paris, Texas? There's a comedy festival. I told you there's oh, okay. a festival everywhere. All right. All yeah. Right. Um, How it, was that? It it was fun. It was fun. Who I mean, the headliners at the Paris comedy? It was though? me and uh, Francisco Ramos and then Gene huh. Pompa, but he got COVID, I guess. So. Gene Pompa. Um, hey, little yeah. bear. But, yeah. it, you know, it's it's a rowdy road room and okay. definitely, you know, uh, probably most people didn't vote the way I voted. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of like to play with that. You it know? went okay? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, the shows were really fine. Oh. Yeah. But, I, but again, I put an air purifier right in front of me. I blasted all the way up. My hair is often flying behind me when yeah. I perform. But so far, so good. It's so funny when I, when I watch your stuff because I do, like, it's, it's a, it, an angle on the idea of, Having to respect your parents or anything, yeah, for that matter, yeah, uh, I like it because I <laughs> like I'm doing it. I'm trying to work on this joke now about you know because both of my parents are you know kind of crapping out mm-hmm. a bit. My yeah. dad certainly, my mom so much. And the joke is like you know it's weird when you get older and you have family. No one really tells you how much you know it's really going to cost to put your parents through dying. <laughs> Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's hilarious. But, I do too. <laughs> but uh, people, like, they, they kind of groan at it. But there is that zone of comedy where you, you, you know, you're mocking or making fun or making light yeah. of your mom's dying. Yeah. You know, in very, you know, structured joke ways. Yeah. But, uh, and I think that, that because of that, because of your structure, people are able to afford you the distance. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, they right, know right. Yeah. it's a joke. Yeah, a lot of them are almost joke jokes. <laughs> Which yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like one of the things I sort of run into is like I'm fairly conversational. Yeah. That's a joke joke, and there's yeah. a couple of tags to it. Yeah. But you got to work them. Like, yeah. you know, when you first start doing those jokes, I have to assume the same way you Oh, where, yeah. Where people are like, what? Exactly. And you have yeah. to build the sort of 
the confidence and the groove of the thing. Yeah. And then it starts working. I don't know if it's detachment or what. It is. That to me, the, always the important thing was like this chunk about my dad dying or my mom dying. Yeah. It has to be equally in, in weight equal to a joke about a chunk about me going shopping. Right. As a comic. Right. right? They yeah. are jokes about a thing. Right. Um, and so, and the audience has to feel comfortable. They have to know you're not going to start crying and that you're totally comfortable with it. And it take, it can take you years for me to say, especially with my dad, my dad died. Like my, my throat could hardly make the words. Right. And it took so long to get used to it. And then going, well, that's a setup to a joke. And now I'm going to, this chunk's going to happen and the checks are going to drop. People are going to be doing, figuring out their tips while I'm talking about the, one of the worst things that ever happened to me and I have to be okay with it right. as a comic, right? right? And and once you get there, then it's there oh, it's, it's like interchangeable Lego pieces in your act, you know? And it also opened up it opens up this this portal of possibilities. Yeah. You know, like have you know it took me a long time to get that stuff about Lynn passing yes. to work. Yeah. But after I did, I realized like I didn't talk about anything. Yeah, right, right, right. Like I, because now I'm doing a chunk of, about trauma, about childhood trauma, and I, I, I actually tell the audience, I say, okay, well, I'm going to go into this next piece, but I want you to know I can handle it. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Whatever you guys experience, it's your experience, but yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay with what I'm about to do. That's great. That's great. And it's kind of it's kind of exciting. Yeah. To talk about that kind of stuff. I, my son had told me something that happened to him at school. Yeah. And and he goes, you can make a joke about it if you want. And I'm like, whoa. That, <laughs> no, that's yours. Yeah. I'm not good. That's right. yours. Right. Yeah. It, it is weird. Um, yeah. It's, that's interesting. Yeah. But uh, was it upsetting what he told you? Yeah, it was upsetting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it was but something he, he had to, he had maybe, to reckon what? with. But oh, was, really? Yeah, but it was it was but like he, he wants that you was to... almost the first thing he said to me after he told me. Yeah, and I was like, uh, for, what, "What am I to you? <laughs> am well, I just maybe this, it helps uh, him? seeking monster that had a child? You know? Or... No, he wanted you to make it easier. Oh. Oh, I didn't think of it like that. The wor- the worst thing is is I did think of a joke. <laughs> uh, and I feel really guilty about it. So, I uh, just but um, I think he was looking for you to process it for him. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. I thought because he thought knows he your act, I was he? a monster. Yeah, he does. He goes yeah. on the road with me sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like he's like, "Oh, she, she'll make it funny." Oh. Maybe it was a total compliment. Maybe I'll tell him the joke I thought of. <laughs> How much time has passed? <laughs> oh, since he told me, like a year. Oh yeah, yeah. you can definitely do it. Now. <laughs> That's plenty of time. But uh, what is it like with the kid? How old's the kid? My son is seventeen right now. That's crazy. It right? is. It is. It's it, like Felicia Michaels warned me that yeah. the teenage years would be just as time consuming as the other ones, and, and, and in a different way, and they are because you're constantly like monitoring their emotion, you know, their, their mood. Yeah. You know, are you okay? Like you just read about things like teenagers, oh, you know, you're like the parents had no idea and it's like, am I missing something? Is everything okay? Yeah. And should I be intervening now? And you know, you quit doing this thing that you love. So yeah. should I say something or yeah. should I leave it? And I, I, oh, co- I don't know what to do all the time. The possibility for codependent insanity is, it's yeah. gotta be just <laughs> it crazy. Is. It is. And, and because, 
uh, my son was in lockdown for half of seventh grade and all of eighth grade. Yeah. That that was a those were key years that he was at home the entire time. Yeah. Um, and I, I probably I think this is probably with a lot of parents. It depends on what age your kids were yeah. trapped with you. But like my son, I decked out his room. You know, I'm like, he's on Zoom. It's it's a nightmare. I just want him. I don't want him to lose. I want to keep as much education as possible. He's going to sure. lose so much. Yeah. So, you know, he has like a, a space shuttle in his bedroom. Yeah. And now he doesn't want to leave. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know, he's he's totally fine. And, and a lot of kids his age, too, like they don't they don't hang out together. They just play games together uh, and they consider that hanging out, but they're not physically in each other's presence. And, is that, and that makes you nervous? doesn't make me nervous. It just it's just interesting. It's just different. A little and, sad in a way. Sad, sad, but then they're they're okay with it, you know. I guess I just remember like that. One of the great things about growing up without all that shit is you'd go out with and hang out with a bunch of other kids. I know. and do nothing. I know. Like when I was a little kid, you just go out in your front yard or on your street with some other kids on the street. Ride bikes. Just figure out, yeah, ride bikes. Figure out how to hurt each other. Yeah. in a competitive way. Yes, or girls <laughs> in a backstabby way. But yeah, 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 yeah. there's a lot of pain involved. So yeah, a lot I, of like secret societies that you weren't allowed into unless you like ate dog food. That was happening on my street. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean guys making you eat dog food, or mean girls making? No, you mean eat girls dog. making you eat yeah, dog food to get you, into the. And group. then you'd be the only one that ate the dog. Yes, food. exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry you ate the dog food. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I mean, yeah. have I can't flavor. survive as a as an old lady on cat food, I know, sure. because I did eat dog food again. It doesn't have much flavor, oddly, does it? It's, <laughs> it's just not this, that bad. It's like texture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got some in my mouth by accident. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. So, But your kid's turning out okay? Yeah, he loves animation. He wants to be an animator. Oh, that's so good. we're looking at art schools. We're looking at two years of community college because it's cheap, and yeah. then two years of art school. Ho- here? I mean, hopefully, I don't know. It feels I mean, like there's good places for there's that. There's good here. places everywhere. Oh, really? We have um, we have citizenship in Luxembourg because of my great great grandmother. Get out of here! Yes, and so he could go to school in Europe. But I mean, that's a big jump from the the bedroom, the Zoom bedroom. <laughs> That'd be a good thing, <laughs> to, though. It would be a great thing if you did that. Yeah, it would be great to get Wait, out. You got completely. You got literally out. grandparented into Luxembourg. Great, great grandparented into Luxembourg. Just one one line one. of your family. Helen Helena Nath Lorge. Yeah, one. that's all it takes. That's all it took for. They have a they you, they have a generous reclamation process. Luxembourg uh-huh. does. It is very specific. It, you have to have had a relative that was born in Luxembourg in the 1800s and died in the U.S. after the after 1900. So she's the one that lived long enough. Uh-huh. Uh, if she had died in 1899, we wouldn't have it. Holy shit. Yeah. It's like, I think about like countries that I could do that with if it was available to me, but they're not great. <laughs> I'm like, what? I can Is always go back Kazakhstan? to Russia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Poland, I could get into Poland. Poland's not bad. Is uh, it? No, it's not. They just, uh, they, they oh, oh, I think they did. They, something they just came had some around. referendum with their yeah. prime minister where they rejected fascism in a way that I was, uh, I was... Well, yeah, pleasantly they were, surprised. They were I, kind of tr- drifting towards full fascist, yes. weren't they? Yeah, I mean, and it's not people, Hungary, so no, Poland's not bad. You should you should uh, investigate. I, I don't think I Poland can get gets you into the whole EU. You could but I don't live. think they offer that. I mean, my grandmother was born in Poland, and and then did she, she moved leave here. because of the Holocaust? No, before. But I mean, the pressure. I mean, was she? I don't know. I, I don't I, know. I, I, I it think was definitely an before the uh, yeah. Maybe I could say yeah. So, she she knew it was coming in 1923. 
I mean, were things good in 1923? No, for they were never Jewish good. Women in, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was okay because it like it went. There were borders that went from Ukraine to Poland. It was Galicia. Yeah, I don't even know where that is now. If it's in Poland or Ukraine, but because that that yeah, that border right, was right, a little right. fluid at, at some point in time, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, the Russians. Yeah, it was either that. It's going to be Poland or Russia. Well, if it's Poland, you're good. If we'll you see. could do it, that would be great. Hmm. Yeah, that would they, you just have citizenship. That's how the Luxembourg, uh, one of the women that was running it, she's like, you can live in the south of France. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I'll do that. If Luxembourg itself is very expensive, yeah. you know, but I would, I would love to live somewhere in Europe for a year and just do one nighters as a comic. Really? You know? Yeah. If I could just pay my way, <laughs> wow. I wouldn't have to make a profit. Like just, the idea of like you know going to a foreign country. And doing comedy sometimes is sort of like, oh, my God. There's so many English-speaking sure. venues, and a lot of American comics go there. And uh, I don't know, just like a triple run, but in France That's and true. Germany. Yeah, I mean, How I did that. amazing would that be? I did that in Scandinavia. Oh. Like I did, uh, I did Norway. Yeah. I did Amsterdam, Oslo, um, Stockholm. Where have you performed over there? In Europe? Yeah. Uh, Almost nowhere, just England. And I took my son to Ireland to throw uh, my dad's ashes. And so I did uh, a set in Dublin because I walked by a comedy club and I just contacted them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I once my son graduates, everything, things open back up for me. Oh, yeah. You're going <laughs> to go crazy. The borders are slightly closed because uh, I need to be, you know, he, yeah, sure. Uh, he once you tuck him away into a school, yeah. <laughs> you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, yeah, I've done uh, Dublin. England, I've done England. Yeah. Years ago, I went to Hong Kong and Beijing. Wow. There used to be a guy that booked Yeah, I shows remember there. that. I yeah, remember that. I, with, I would be afraid to go to Beijing now. I'd be afraid you wouldn't get out, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't know if it was, it was relatively scary. Yeah. I went with Russ Maneev. <laughs> it was me and Russ Maneev. He's so funny. He I haven't so seen funny. him in a long time. I don't I know what he's I might have seen him at the Broadway a, a couple, maybe like a year or two ago. We had a very good time. It was oh, very what funny. What a one-liner guy. Just bam, Yeah, bam, yeah. Bam, he's very bam. funny. Yeah. And it was like, it was all for expats. But I remember when we were in Beijing, we were there when that spy plane was taken. Oh. Like it had crashed and they had the spy plane. Yeah. And some of the people, yeah. we were told, you know, you can't bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was and, intense. And it's that's your first instinct is to bring it up. Sure, sure. <laughs> Anybody have family on the? But uh, no. But I saw the Great Wall and I saw all that shit. Wow. And, you know, it was kind of cool. Forbidden yeah. City. Yeah. But I didn't feel like. Yeah. I, I, oddly, I, I didn't have great Chinese food there. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I went to the original Peking Duck place, which was now called the Beijing Duck, of course. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. 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 So, uh, it's okay. You know. So yeah. Little, Touristy, I guess. I didn't know the. <laughs> it's not the, what you can get. In I didn't know the hipster place. I st- I'd still kind of like to go to India, but I don't know if I never. I don't ever think. Ooh. Yeah, it just looks so crazy. I mean, I know, but like once you, I mean, Mumbai or someplace like yeah. that. I yeah, That'd be that overwhelming. I, I want to do shows everywhere. I, I, like I want to. I want I wish it all. I had that spirit. Yeah, I just want to go. <laughs> You know you what don't I mean? want to do stand up there. You want to visit? No, the idea of like worrying about doing a gig, yeah, and what it's going to be like in mm-hmm. Mumbai, yeah. is too much, too much for me. Because I feel like what I do is specific, yeah, and that I, I have I, there's a certain amount of emotional investment and understanding that they'll understand me, <laughs> you know, outside of the jokes. I, like I, I make myself a little crazy. Do you look at the stats of who listens from where and go to Sometimes. those places? No, not really. No, I, I know where I can. 
I, I'm good for about 800, 800 people <laughs> in most reasonable sized cities. Right, right, right. And from, you know, 1,200 to a couple thousand in a few that's cities. That's the dream. Yeah, that's it. You know, because yeah. you can still live a normal life. You yeah. know, I, I can't imagine what Jim Gaffigan's life is in an airport. It must be awful. People coming up to him all the time, right? And you can live a normal life, but you can you can sell out for people that already like you. Yeah. That's the comedy dream. Yeah. My troubled fans <laughs> is what I call <laughs> They, they <laughs> might see you in the airport and write letters later, write emails to you. But oh, no, I, I feel like Gaffigan's fans go right on up to him. Well, yeah, because he's a big, funny guy. Yeah, and he's approachable. And, and, and uh, he seems like yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know if he really is. <laughs> well, no comic is who they are on stage. That's for sure. Jimmy's de- he's he's definitely a little a little more intense. He's gotten more himself. That's like good. He, you know, he does more long form stuff. His last special was pretty dark. And oh pretty yeah, funny. No, he's he's great. I'm I'm just saying, like I think his fans would sure would not hesitate to approach him, and I think the, yours would. No, they come up to me. Oh, they but do? they know. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know they 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 understand the thing because because of how I do it, a lot of them really feel feel like they know me, and I and I think they do. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But most of them are aware that it's one sided. <laughs> it's the ones that aren't quite aware of that <laughs> right. that becomes a little tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, I don't know. You never did you? Are you still doing the podcast? Yeah, I do. The Jackie, dork, the Jackie, dork Jackie dork. has the Dork Forest, and we ours is just called the Jackie and Lori Show. It's oh, how's just that going? Me and Jackie Cation. Uh, we still do it. We find a uh, you know time every Sunday at some point. You know, we're usually logging in onto Zoom from hotels uh, yeah. and doing a how's she doing? Quick hour. She's doing great. Yeah, yeah. She's working. We're I we I don't know. I feel like the industry wants both of us out, and we're both like, <laughs> no, we're here. So you must reckon with us. What industry? Comedy, everything. Really? I don't know. That's how it feels. But the weird thing is, is that I don't even see a semblance of an industry anymore. I know. That's true. And and it just seems like, you know, some people have cobbled together enough of a following to go work. I know. And that's it. It is so. It's. It, How's it, your draw? All right. No, it's not. Well, I mean, it's okay. I, I, hopefully, the special will increase it, but it does feel like everyone's booking off of followers. And so, I. Yeah, and it's I, the worst. I don't know. Uh, like with some of the clubs, I'm like, are you doing anything? Do you even email your list? They don't. to let them know, or do we have to do it all? Well, I think that that is the problem. Is that yeah. we do have to do it all? Yeah. And you know, for those people who. You know, are not connected that way or yeah. don't have that much juice or or whatever, it's a real fucking challenge. But really, the clubs were never that great at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of yeah. maybe you could do morning radio and that might work. Right. I'm not even sure how anybody drew other than people knew them from uh, television. Yeah. Or, you know, they took out a newspaper ad and, yeah. and they saw it. I guess you know? so, the newspaper ad. Right. Yeah. But it. Yeah, no, but like morning radio, that was the thing. And I don't even know how many people that drew. I don't know either. God damn it. I remember, <laughs> like, remember how many times we did Alex Bennett? Oh, my For God. What? For what? Oh, man. No one guy. gave a fuck about that <laughs> shit. By the time I got there, you're just doing it. It's like this weird, you know, there's three comics there listening to Alex complain about his stomach <laughs> or something. <laughs> I he was great. I mean, I I remember I was before I started doing comedy. I was listening to Bennett and I was cleaning houses, you know. And the fo- in SF no, in Lafayette, I was cleaning oh, yeah. a house in Lafayette. It was a really nice house. 
and the father of the family was home. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize, or he came home, but I, w- I had used their speakers to jack up Alex Bennett. So I was clean all over the house sure. and listening. They, it was like a house with speakers everywhere. Yeah. And uh, Warren Thomas was being <laughs> filthy. Yeah. And uh, the dad walked in and I was yeah. like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and I ran to turn it down. <laughs> um, Warren. Yeah. He was so funny. Oh, my God. He was great. What, how like when did how old were you when you started? What year was it? Was it was twenty two. I started in eighty seven. So you were like there. I mean, I got there. When did I get there? Jesus, well, you, 80, came, you came from New York. Boston. Yeah, right, right. You came around the same time. Like I felt like Patton as Patton in Blaine. my head, and uh, yeah, and Blaine that you guys all came from. Yeah, the East Coast at the and same it was time. like that was like ninety two ish. Probably Dana Gould was already there, right? He came long before, yeah. right? Yeah. So you were coming up in sort of that golden age a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Right. What was still left of it? Like who was mm-hmm. it? Slayton. Kevin Meany. Headli- oh, Meany was headline. Yeah, they were Dana, all there. Yeah, those are the headliners. Uh, uh, was Sue DeGeneres? Murphy. De- Ellen was not there anymore. Okay. Uh, Sue Murphy. Sue Murphy, yeah. Oh, she was such a murderer. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. She killed so hard. She Kravitz? Did- yes. Was yeah. kind of around still? Yeah, yeah he was. Uh, Bob Brubin. Uh, uh, the Rube. Yeah. <laughs> like that was sort of like you know just post Tom the Kenny. heyday. Yeah, Tom Kenny. Yeah, those Bobby. Were all the headliners. Was yeah. Bobby Greg Proops, Of course. Yeah, yeah. Was Bobby there? Goldthwait? Or yes, he, he was. Already... Yeah, Goldthwait was there. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. That was crazy time. Yeah, and then they kind of they. I don't know when they moved. They all then the whole group left. Moved to Cal. To yeah, LA. to LA. Well, yeah, that's because that's when left. Yeah. When we came in, everyone had gone. Like it when oh, Wayne it... and Patton and I arrived. Yeah. There was definitely a deficit. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. everyone had left except for Johnny all Steele. The, all, yeah. And Carlos Alzraki hadn't yeah. left yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carlos is down the street from me now. He is? Yeah. He's a very nice guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. He's two gorgeous daughters. and Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. These fucking great. people that end up with normal lives, I don't understand it. <laughs> I know. It's weird. I couldn't manage I it. I mean, I have a semi-normal life and it's strange to me, you know? And when my kid was born, I was like, uh, good luck. I, I did my job. I gave birth to you and now Is I'm it like, normal, oh. though? Like you had the kid and then the marriage broke up. It and wasn't he was a marriage, a, but it was a relationship. Uh, he, yeah, yeah, and he was a comic. Yes. So mm-hmm. there's nothing normal about no, it. No, there's nothing normal about it. But he <laughs> uh, does go to a public school, you no, know? other it, than like you're yes. doing a good job as a single mom. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Sounds like you are. He's a, I love him. How, what's He's his relationship person. with the father? Good? I think it's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I it, I probably shouldn't, you know, get yeah, too yeah. much into sure. any weeds on that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, good. Um, all right. Well, it's good talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for Where, having me back. Where's the special on? It's uh, it's called Cisco Grief Slut. It's uh, on Apple TV, Amazon Prime. It's a comedy dynamic, so they push it out. I remember doing a promo for Samsung TV Plus. It's probably on your microwave if you have. <laughs> I, I don't know. Got, it's like there's so many platforms now. Cis, what, what's the whole thing? Cis woke grief oh, slut. I like C-I-S, it. Yes. As in. Uh, Cis woke grief slut. Yeah. I just got an email that said my TV show, which is hard to find, is running on Viking cruise ships. <laughs> Someone's like, I'm watching your show on Viking, on a boat. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, I did my last special with HBO, which isn't really international. Yeah. Until it gets to Sky TV or whatever their affiliates are. Right. So like, no one could see it in Europe unless they flew on a certain airline. Like people are like, oh, what's your special on the flight? Well, you're finally a cruise ship comic. Yes. It took a long time. (laughs) And uh, I'm happy to to know that I made it. Sure. All right. Well, I I liked the special. I loved it. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for watching it. There you go, Lori Kilmartin. 
Uh, her special is out now. Sis Woke Grief Slut is on all major video on-demand platforms. Hang out for a minute, folks. Hey, folks. This episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here, and when they they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay, look, you guys, listen, on Thursday, John Oliver is back. The last time he was on was way back in 2012, episode 298. Your mother taught what? Music. Really? Yeah. Like, like what did she play? Piano? Yeah, she played piano. She played uh, cello. Do you play piano? No. Well, uh, not really. I played you, the violin. You played the violin? Yeah. So you were, you were really pulled in two directions, weren't you? Yeah, I was, because <laughs> I played on all the school sports teams, and I did drama and music as well. So I, I was the one thing that floated between those two worlds so i would turn up to like rehearsals for things with you know mud and blood on me yeah and i would turn up to uh you know sporting events with a violin case yeah. imagine which of those was more difficult <laughs> <laughs> you can wash the blood off you cannot make that violin case disappear it, it's too bad that your parents weren't more strict and made you play the violin because then you could have might have been a sports oh star. no they kind of did make me play the violin and and your contempt for that didn't drive you harder into sport or you, maybe yeah, you just, I, I, I went as hard into sport as I could, so you're just not, but I had physical, I wasn't good enough. You just weren't good God, enough. I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud yeah. now, but that I wasn't good enough by it, yeah. I was never going to make my career as a professional footballer. Well, and, and like exactly what, what year did you realize that? Probably about three years ago. So it's still raw. It's still it's fresh. Raw, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. You can listen to that full episode along with all WTF episodes ad-free by signing up for WTF+. Plus. Just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF+. Plus. Oh, and I just want to tell you that the new John Oliver episode, fun, hilarious. It was, it was, it was a good time. And I don't always have those. Here's some guitar from the vaults. <laughs>
Boomer lives, monkey and Lafonda, cat angels everywhere. Jesus told me so.